to the sleeper and the bust this is episode number 148 it is the trade deadline non-waiver trade deadline edition of the sleeper and the bust and i am your host nicholas minix joining me as usual during the week fresh off a recovery from bronchitis is eno saris eno how are you feeling today after multiple things have impacted your life in a myriad ways oh my god i do not feel great but i feel better than dead uh, yesterday I had a, uh, was it yesterday? I don't even know. I had a, one point this week I had a fever so bad I was yelling at Siri, um, something about my mother. Uh, so, <laughs> you sure uh, it's not the other way around? Yeah, and I almost called 911 on myself. So, uh, I've had a, I've had a tough week. We've been moving, uh, with a toddler, pregnant wife, and I've never done a house to house move before. Somehow I feel like that's worse. We had a basement, so there's all this crap in the basement and, backyard just full of stuff that i didn't realize so um you know it's been a tough week and i'm sorry we missed on tuesday but you know tuesday would have been spent we spent a lot of time talking about trades that never happened uh, and at least today we can talk about trades that did happen so there's there's your segue yeah totally agree uh, <laughs> <laughs> totally agree uh and without further ado let's get to some trades as you said that have gone down and i think uh, it's hard to pick a headliner, but we're, so we're going to start with David Price to Detroit because that seems like the biggest headliner. Uh, first of all, this deal came in just under the wire, essentially. Uh, Price to Detroit for Nick Franklin and Drew Smiley to Tampa Bay. Austin Jackson goes to Seattle. Uh, I have to say, I'm first of all, a little surprised that, for instance, Detroit was looking to move someone, I guess, of Jackson's caliber but i guess probably they were willing to do so i think this was somewhat i feel like this is somewhat in reaction to some of the other pitching moves that have gone down in the last couple of days around the american league but uh they also have in, in, a, in essence they do have a little bit of outfield depth not sure that they have it in center field per se but um price to detroit i mean there's no there's no great fantasy impact you know he he might win a few more games fantastic um Smiley to Tampa Bay and Franklin to Tampa Bay. Obviously, you have opportunities here, but um, first of all, this uh, we, we were talking off air that this is kind of this seems like a little less than what Tampa Bay we would have expected them to want for Price. But also, uh, I mean, Franklin is not. This is this is an opportunity for him to play. What what leagues do you see him playing in for the rest of the season? Uh, I mean, fifteen team mixed league is a possibility, I suppose, but you can't be real confident about that. No, you can't because another thing that uh, the Rays don't have is a great track record in, in starting guys that they've acquired right away. I mean, um, we were all very excited for, for Will Myers when he came through, um, and he didn't start right away. So, um, you know, they could easily uh, send him to uh, the, the minor leagues, and it's not like he doesn't have anything to work on. I mean, you know, strikeout rate has been huge in the major leagues. They may want to see. But I think – just the fact that he already has 120 major league games under his, his uh, belt, um, and uh, and uh, the Rays uh, could find a place to play him. I mean, they didn't trade Zobrist. Uh, mm -hmm. They still have Yunel and Evan Longoria, but um, you know, between 
their outfield is not super set. You could you could play uh, Joyce Jennings and Kiermaier um, and have a DH slot open, um, and you could put Franklin there. You put Zobrist in there, or you can move guys around the around the outfield. So I think Franklin um, has enough opportunity to play right now, and um, they may even give him a shot at short because if I remember correctly, I think Escobar's contract runs up soon. Yeah, I think I think it's I mean, uh, I, I know that it's possible he does, but I th- I mean, I think what's I mean they they kind of like Logan Forsythe, um, and again they didn't trade Ben Zobrist. Uh, it's just it's kind of a glut of players. It, it's it it does seem a little it seems a little strange. I mean the Rays it's hard to second guess the Rays entirely because they 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 oftentimes seem to have things kind of work their way out and and. Yeah, I, I'm skeptical of whether Franklin's going to play right away. As you said, there's the flaws. And also, I mean, strikeouts and particularly the way the strikeouts come, that's always been kind of a concern. I mean, that was a big concern for them with Myers. Uh, it's been a concern with Desmond Jennings. That was why they delayed his call up. Uh, just their control, the players, their control of the strike zone. That's big for them. Um, so I think that that's, it, it's, I think it's definitely easy to question whether Franklin's going to play um, in the immediate future. But you'd you'd like to think also that they want to show that the return they got for one of the best pitchers in baseball is um, is certainly something that they can they can show some returns on right away besides just uh, Drew Smiley. So I mean it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think <laughs> in addition, I mean Jackson to Seattle basically someone has to sit there. Obviously, I mean Michael Saunders coming back from the DL. You have to think. I I would. I'm going to presume presume that he plays, and then I guess it comes down to Ackley versus Jones, Justin Ackley versus James Jones. And J- James Jones is, I mean, he's been a nice player to ride. Ackley's kind of on a hot streak. Does it just come down to who's performing better at the time? Yeah, you know, uh, I think that one of the key players, just to, just to return really quickly to uh, the race, I looked up Escobar's contract status, and he has options every year, five to six million. Um, you know, at that low of a number, they can they can bring him back as a backup outfielder, a backup shortstop. Uh, but this year, he's been a replacement level player, so um, that's something to watch. I mean, if his defense has really fallen off that much in one year, uh, you can make a case for either sliding Zobrist over or, or trying Franklin at short. So that would be interesting. Um, in uh, in Seattle. Uh, my impression was that, you know, Ackley um, was on his way out um, and was going to be in the minor leagues. That's what I heard from a beat writer, um, you know, before, uh, before, uh, you know, I forget who was coming out. Maybe even like uh, somebody was going to get healthy. I forget who it was. Somebody was going to get healthy and we were talking about who was going to get dropped and he was saying Dustin Ackley was going to get dropped. Logan uh, Morrison, perhaps, was uh, possibly when that, yeah, when that was coming down. Yeah, Morrison was coming up. Uh, but now Morrison is the first baseman. Smoke is um, is clearly taking second fiddle to Morrison. Um, Hart was released. Is that correct? Uh, he is still on the roster that I'm aware of, unless it has just come down. Hart will serve in a platoon with Logan Morrison and Lila Kendricks Morales, too. Okay. So we're looking at Morrison and Hart at first. Um we're looking at Kendrick Morales at uh, DH. I think Centerfield becomes mostly Austin Jackson's, and uh, what you're looking for is a left-handed platoon mate for Denorfia. Um, 
which could be Jones <laughs> or yeah, or Ackley. Ackley's a switch hitter, right? No, he's a left-handed hitter only. Okay. All right. Um, well, it is funny that they've acquired all these people and they signed all these <laughs> people in the offseason. And yet we're now looking at a right field situation that's still not – I mean, maybe Michael Saunders when he gets healthy, but – yeah, he's uh, been he has been defensively, at least as far as UZR UZR is concerned, he's been. Uh, I mean, he kind of fallen off as a center field defender, but has has been uh, exceptional. Has been a has it been a plus defender on the corners. I think that he can Saunders. hold that down. Saunders. Yeah, yeah, and he was yeah. and he was hitting before he was injured. And he's hoping to be in a rehab assignment. So let's let's put uh, he's going to do a rehab assignment soon. Let's put Saunders in right field. Uh, most of the time, he could actually use a platoon bat. I mean, he's not that good. Yes. So yeah. uh, let's say uh, we're going to do Saunders and Denorfia in right field and say that Ackley's hit enough to uh, possibly keep his job despite mm-hmm. all these acquisitions and all these people that play the corner outfield. Um, I think that's probably what's going to happen. Unless they get really tired of Ackley, uh, try to move Morrison back to the outfield oh. and call up Saunders. Yeah, that's that seems less likely. Yeah, it does. Uh, I mean, it seems. I think we can pretty much bank on Stefan Romero uh, being optioned. Um, Chris Taylor has not played. And that's a whole another issue. He has not played kind of exclusively. He's basically platooned, although he's played against some right-handers as well. That's basically almost been kind of a fifty-fifty split of playing time, which seems kind of an odd maneuver if you're willing to promote Taylor. And maybe they'll change their minds now that they have all these veterans littering the roster but it's uh there are a lot of former sort of good hitters in basically platoon roles now for (laughs) for seattle it's um and i think you're right that's what's going on is that they're they're taking righty chris taylor against against left-handers um and uh brad miller gets the rest of the starts so that means they're platooning at uh short first the entire outfield uh, minus minus center, yes, yeah. and uh, maybe even a little in DH. And I think the one thing we can definitely determine also is that they intend to go with a four-man rotation for the rest of the season. Um, they're definitely. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how they result. I mean, even if you didn't have doubts about Chris Young and Ronis Elias, and I, I think that they could certainly be adequate at least for the rest of the season. Uh, combined with whether James Paxton and uh, <clears throat> Taiwan Walker fill one of those spots. I mean, Walker especially was viewed as a trade chip to help fill uh, and, and be kind of that third pitcher behind Hernan- Felix Hernandez and Asashi Iwakuma, and that really hasn't manifested itself. I mean, speaking even outside the fantasy bubble, is this a legitimate fantasy, or a postseason threat to anyone uh, at this point? I think they're almost more of a postseason threat than they are a regular season threat. I mean, once they make it there, especially if they can line it up to Felix Hernandez pitches the, the, the play-in game, I mean, I'd hate to go up against Felix Hernandez in a one-game playoff. So It's true. Uh, and then even if they make it to the next one, to start off with Iwakuma, and let's say Paxton's throwing 94, he was throwing 94 in rehab, um, and Walker has, has found some control between now and then, um, you know, I think that's enough to get them back to another Felix Hernandez start. So, uh, if they get to the postseason, I think they'll see two Felix Hernandez starts. Actually, um, I think that I would actually I would like them in a in a um, in a short series, especially a card game and, yeah. and 
you know, in the next series, it'd be a little bit harder because they won't start with Felix, but uh, uh, I, I wouldn't count them out. In terms of uh, getting there, though, um, I mean, that's a heck of an offense. I mean, it's got about uh, one and a half players, uh, or maybe two and a half players I would want on my team. <laughs> one and a half. <laughs> that has to be at least more than the Phillies, who traded no one today. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well you know what? Probably do a waiver deal. I think Cliff Lee yeah. is an obvious waiver deal. Yeah. I think that's definitely that's definitely a good possibility. Perhaps even Jonathan Pavelbon is a waiver deal. I mean, that's a hard contract to swallow if you're not yeah. a, a contender. I pick that one up. Just and, a block. Yeah. Um, that's going to be it, – it's an interesting situation to say the least. There's no real – um, real uh, outside the numbers fantasy implications as far as the Detroit, Seattle, Tampa Bay deal goes. Uh, next deal on the docket, though, John Lester, Johnny Gomes, they both moved to Oakland. And I mean, did anybody see? And in hindsight, this made perfect sense. Yoenis Cespedes as a as a potential trade chip, uh, at least because his deal. Uh, I mean, he has an option, I think, perhaps, but uh, he has a his deal runs out after next season. And so it's kind of understandable if Oakland's willing to part with him, I suppose. Uh, and, and they also sent a competitive balance pick to Boston. Uh, Lester, obviously, you can't, you can't uh, dislike his move to uh, uh, even, an even friendlier ballpark in terms of offense. Uh, Gomes is probably, I mean, he's essentially still a platoon player. And Cespedes to, to Boston, certainly his offensive prospects have to improve. But uh, to me, the, the thing that stands out about the situation um, is... Uh, I'm, I'm suddenly a little concerned about Oakland's offense and, and maybe it's not a big deal. Uh, maybe I'm just a little uh, overestimating what they have here, but uh, especially because Coco Crisp is dealing with a possible health issue. Uh, I think that there are a number of, a number of um, permutations of their outfield, I guess uh, that you could, could if you could uh, take a guess at uh, Brandon Moss seems to be now a fixture of the outfield, and he was the first baseman. Stephen Vote, they've gotten him into the lineup. I, I'm assuming that that's that's kind of the way they're thinking. Is Vote has become almost an indispensable p- part of the lineup, like the hitter, uh, the combination of of Vote, Moss, Derek Norris, who's kind of had a breakout season, John Jaso, uh, Coco Crisp, assuming that he's healthy, Josh Reddick, Jed Lowry, uh, and, and they're still weak at second base with Eric Sogard and or whoever else, Nick Punto, Alberto Colaspo, et cetera, et cetera. But it's just not as intimidating a lineup, I think, anymore. Um, it- yeah, I like it. I like your. I like the lineup to go deep. You know, at least, you know, three or four deep. And I see this lineup as being sort of Moss, Donaldson, and uh, pray for rain. So uh, you know, it's like uh, you know, Reddick is is going to connect every once in a while. Uh, vote. The nice thing I like, what I like about what Vote has done is that he's uh, making a lot more contact this year than he ever has, mm-hmm. um, and you know he's not, it's not necessarily uh, not. I don't know if I. I mean, I you could you could you could squint at his minor league numbers and say you believe in the power he's showing, uh, and so then to have above average power in that ballpark with great contact ability, um, I think makes him a player that is. Uh, a candidate to play sort of every day. I mean, to to play all over the place every day. And he's shown enough athleticism to not be an embarrassment at these different positions he's playing. So um, in terms of, like, uh, situations where he can be 
um, your second catcher, um, you know, or uh, an AL only catcher. I think that um, his stock just went up. Do do I think he's the number one uh, AL only catcher in a one catcher league? Um, maybe. Yeah, I think that's a good possibility. I, I mean, yeah, I agree. Uh, the big winner as far as Oakland's trades is, and in terms of fantasy value has to be vote because uh, the certainty of playing time combined with what he's done and the eligibility of catcher. I mean, this is it's pretty big. Uh, and well, I think they did get Sam Fold, right? So mm-hmm. they could just do um, Fold and Gomes and left. And that's what our depth chart says. Fold and Gomes and left. Uh, Billy Burns as a gap, a stopgap until Kristen Gentry in center. Um, and then it's, uh, you know, Reddick in right, Moss at first, and Jaso um, at DH. And then Vote doesn't really fit in because he's a left-handed hitter like everybody else. I believe, actually, I believe uh, the, yeah. A's, the A's have already demoted Burns. Uh, when the, with the acquisition of, so of Gentry. He's going to play center for a while. Okay, yeah. so at least until uh, Gentry. So, okay, so Vogue gets bought a little more time, at least until Gentry and uh, and Chris get healthy. And maybe he that buys him all the way up to September, and that leaves him on the roster all the way to the end of the year. So, yeah, number one AL only catcher, I'll call him that. Not a top-end one, but, uh, you know. Yeah. Because there's, there's, there's that risk. Yeah, there's and there there's bound to be a little regression, especially in the batting average. Mm-hmm. But uh, and another deal that is just coming across uh, the Rotographs line is uh, Emilio Bonifacio, along with James Russell, has moved from the Cubs to the Braves. That's going to be interesting. In fact, wait, why don't we? Uh, I think it's I'll comment real quickly on the the A situation. I think also uh, depending on what happens there, if it results in some uh, say a uh, Sam Fold Craig. Or Craig, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yes, uh, a Gentry platoon. Uh, I mean, I, I could see the possibility. I mean, Fold is great defensively, but uh, Gentry is as well, and maybe he offers more offensive upside. And I think if, if you know, if, if Fold goes into a fun, I mean, this is a player that Oakland. I think they DFA'd him not uh, at the beginning of the season, didn't they? Um, I think Gentry is a somewhat appealing player. He becomes a little more interesting as a guy to keep an eye on in deep leagues because he may come into the playing time a little more easily in the in the future. Um, yeah, but, uh, and then Norris, I guess, uh, gets a bump because, um, you know, batting order is not that important, but um, he'd probably move up a little bit in the batting order. I mean, uh, I, mean I like Johnny Gomes, but uh, I might bat Norris ahead of Johnny Gomes. Mm-hmm. Um, even against uh, against lefties, so um, yeah, that's that's definitely gonna. Uh, yeah, you know, in general, I think also something that happened here was that trading Cespedes away um, led in a little bit of a way to Austin Jackson being traded, where the Tigers felt they could take a step back on offense too if they were. So there was, you know, I think there was a little bit of a reaction uh, here and there, sort of going on today. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and like I said, I just we'll we'll get into this real quickly. I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, so, I mean, Russell slots into the Braves bullpen. Uh, Bonifacio, where does he fit in the Braves lineup? Considering that Tommy Lestella, I think, has played a pretty um, adequate, to say the least, second base. I mean, he's been, um, I think, above average defensively, both offensively and defensively. Yeah, and he's walked. He's walked exactly as much as he struck out. He hasn't hit a homer. 
but um, you know he's hitting he's hitting 295, so you can't even say you know he's been batting average bad or whatever. Uh, 10% better than league average with a stick, better than league average with uh, defense. So I think it's uh, probably a depth thing. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard uh, Braves fans talk about the need for a fourth outfielder um, or another outfielder. I think Jordan Schaefer uh, is underwhelming a bit. Um, you know, the Braves also have to think about uh, underwhelming a bit. Wow. Jordan Schaefer <laughs> right now is 163 slash 256 slash 213. With a 32 runs created plus, that's amazing. He's below replacement, so that's where Emilio Bonifacio is going to fit in. He's going to be their backup center fielder, um, all around the outfield uh, guy uh, that can, you know, sometimes DH. Would be the one of the weirder DHs out there, but you know, that's what that's what uh, well, that's what happens when offense is down around the league. This is true, and yeah, I think it's. I mean, obviously, it's clear that you know, Bonifacio does lose some. He loses significant fantasy value because he's basically become a backup. Uh, Kurt Suzuki also signed to an extension as kind of a buy, a little bit of a, a buy small headline there. Not not anything of, of great significance. It doesn't look like Josh Pinto, I guess, is going to be up until probably September. Uh, Sucks <clears throat> for him. I mean, I I know that uh, Kurt Suzuki's having a good year, but. Um... You know, I don't trust it uh, into next year, and I think they really should be playing a little more Pinto. Yeah, yeah, that I agree with. I think it's it's time to find out whether you think Pinto's defense can play, or if you think his future is somewhere else. In which case, you need to make that determination to figure out where you're going to go at catcher. Future is not Kurt Suzuki. I mean, dude right. is thirty years old, and catchers, you know, the catchers do not necessarily age worse. But you know, he's thirty years old. He's post peak. He's not the the future twin. Correct. Correct. And <clears throat> that is going to take us to a, uh, again, so we talked about the, the lesser deal um, moving to his rotation mate in Boston. John Lackey also going out of town along with a left-handed pitcher, Corey Latrell. I assume he's, going, he's, he's heading to the farm system in St. Louis, but he had, uh, these two head to St. Louis and in return, Boston gets Joe Kelly and Alan Craig. Obvious immediately, the, the byproduct of this is that uh, Tavares becomes an every Oscar Tavares becomes an everyday player. That's definitely good news for folks who have been kind of waiting patiently for Craig to exit the scene or for St. Louis to wide, uh, wise up about his his obvious decline offensively, especially or at least this season. What else is the fallout here? I mean, Kelly kind of takes away a rotation spot from uh, an opportunity. Takes an opportunity from someone in Boston. I'm assuming, unless they want to to option Kelly to the minors. But I mean, they Alan Webster will make his second start, presumably still this weekend. And the Red Sox have also called up Anthony Reynaldo, uh, who's a really intriguing prospect and was pretty dominant for a good portion of the season uh, uh, in uh, at the AAA level. A lot going on for Boston. <laughs> this is a big deal. A lot, lot going on. Um, I don't know where to start. I guess one thing I will mention is that a lot of people were talking trash on Joe Kelly. Um, and I don't necessarily think that he deserves it. Um, because, you know, he's coming from a a team that's emphasized the sinker and developed him to throw the sinker and said, throw the sinker, throw to contact, get the ground ball, get the quick outs. And they are ignoring the fact that he throws 96 and he has, uh, uh, Two uh, breaking, he has two, three 
um, breaking pitches, or I'm not calling them breaking pitches, three off-speed pitches that are better than league average. And the changeup, the slider, and the curve are all better than league average. So I have a feeling that the Red Sox, this might be one of those rare situations where a guy gets traded to the AL and does better. Because I think the Red Sox will say, you know what, we don't want you to go away from getting those ground balls. Uh, you're, you're a good pitcher, but you know you throw 95 and you have three good off-speed pitches. Why don't you throw those off-speed pitches a little bit more, surprise people a little bit with a 95? I mean, if you watch Garrett Richards throw against Kevin Gossman the other day or yesterday, um, one thing that you'll notice is that for a guy who throws 97, uh, Garrett Richards will throw backwards sometimes. He'll, he'll throw uh, slider, 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 fastball to somebody, and then they have no chance at that fastball. And I have a feeling that, you know, with the, with the kind of, Percentages that Kelly is sporting: 60% sinker, 10% four seam, 13, 10, 10 on the on the other ones. I have a feeling that he almost never does anything like that. So um, I think uh, you know, throw these other pitches a little bit more. Get get them uh, waiting on the thinking a little bit about the 79 mile an hour curveball, uh, and then a 96 mile an hour fastball comes in. That sort of stuff um, is what. Other organizations um, kind of think about it a little bit more often, I think. So um, I would, I'm would i interested in seeing what Joe Kelly does in Boston. I'm not necessarily saying he's a mixed league pickup. Um, obviously, John Lackey is a better rest of year thing. Um, you know, whatever regression he was going to have coming to him in the American League, um, is there's going to be less of it in the National League. He may even have a better rest of season in the National League. So um, if there's Lackey on any wires, Lackey's the guy to pick up. But if you're in a deep league, and someone threw Kelly out because he's going to the American League and they think he's just going to get rocked or he's just out there for you. I think he's a decent speculative play, especially for dynasty guys, guys that are out of it this year looking for uh, guys that could help next year and they don't necessarily want to pick up prospects. So I'm watching Kelly. I want to see what happens. Yeah, I'm I'm quite in agreement on Kelly. And I think, yeah, he's kind of been part of that byproduct, as you said, it's, it's to where it's been. He, he's had this philosophy hammered into him almost from day one. Uh, he's really interesting. I mean, he's never really given the opportunity, I think, to – I mean, and it's never really shown up in his minor league numbers where he's had high strikeout marks relative to level or anything like that. So I think it's it's interesting because I do think he has a little bit of strikeout stuff. I, I'm, uh, I kind of think his four-seamer, which he rarely throws, uh, is probably kind of straight, but the other stuff is, is potentially intriguing. Now, do you think it's po- – do you think it's possible? I haven't seen the actual numbers. I'm, I was only looking at the percentage – but I've already moved away from him. But I would just uh, real quick: is it possible that uh, any of these pitches of his look above average or better uh, simply because of the small sample, or is there a small sample of them? I mean, no, I don't think so. At this point, he's thrown 600 changeups, 500 sliders, 400 curveballs. Um, okay, so these are good pitches for him. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and, and if you look just at trajectory, if you look at trajectory and movement. His changeup is 10 miles an hour slower than his fastball. So, you know, there's no, uh, there's no like, oh, his changeup only, like, you know, only goes two or three miles an hour slower, four or five miles an hour. That, that's, that's none of that going on. No, his it's not. Yeah. goes slower than his changeup. So he's got a nice, slow 83 mile an hour slider. Um, and then if you say that's a little bit too slow for a slider, that sounds more like a curveball. But then he's got the 79 mile an hour curveball that has. Uh, seven inches of horizontal, eight inches of vertical. That's a that's a, uh, a twelve to six. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, 
maybe he's, I think he's being predictable in his, in his sequences and just being like, I've got a 95 mile an hour sinker and you're going to see a sinker and then you're going to see a sinker and then you're going to see a sinker. And if I'm up 0-2, then maybe you'll see a slider. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think Kelly is a name to watch, uh, especially in deep, fa- in deep fantasy leagues and, and going forward, perhaps even in the next season. Cause even if it doesn't show up this year, uh, it gives Boston an entire off season to work with a guy that they may have seen something in. Uh, and he will be, you'd definitely be an interesting commodity. Now, as far- Craig, you know, Craig too, Craig is at the very bottom of his value. Um, and, I, you know, it's, it's not certain where he's going to play. Uh, but Daniel Nava is, I mean, Daniel Nava, okay, I'm going to, I understand Daniel Nava and, and Alan Craig are about the same age. But if you ask me who has better upside, I'd say, well, who has done better in the past? And Alan Craig has done better in the past. So uh, I think Alan Craig is going to play over Daniel Nava for the most part. Uh, wherever Daniel Nava would play, I think Alan Craig can play. Maybe not as well with the glove, uh, but I think Alan Craig can play. And he is going from – he's a right-handed bat, and he's going from a place that uh, suppressed right-handed uh, home run power by 10% uh, to one that augments it by 3%. It's not one of the big, wildest swings you can ever do, but it's enough um, to say I think that could help him. Obviously, he was a little bit uh, upset today. I don't know how it came out. I just saw some headlines. But, um, you know, I think he could turn that into something. It's not like he was playing a lot in St. Louis anyway. So, you know, he's in the very nadir of his value. And I think that's the best time to acquire someone. I wouldn't spend too much because he is 30 himself and he was a late bloomer. But uh, I think he could easily have a year next year. He's a high Babbitt guy. I believe in, in that. He's a line drive to all fields with power, uh, you know, above average strikeout rate, uh, you know, legit 290, 300 uh, hitting guy. So, you know, next year I project him into, you know, especially in the new park, I think I could easily project him into, you know, I, I, I would take the over on all of his rest of season projections. Wow, and that's uh, yeah because the rest of the season looks at it from Zip's perspective two sixty seven three twenty two four fourteen. I'm skeptical. This is where it's one of those things, like you said, because he's upset about the situation in St. Louis. I think he kind of envisioned himself as a guy. I don't want to say finish his career there, but he's still going to be part of that picture. Um, he moves to obviously it's still. I mean, the, the, I think it's going to be interesting to see. He's one of the. Uh, how is he going to respond? Uh, how is Boston going to respond? Uh, I mean. In terms of the playing time, like you said, I mean, Cespedes, obviously, he immediately is definitely a part of uh, things. Uh, I've seen him, I guess he could project, be projected to be either in left field or in center field. Um, Brock Holt probably has to come in and play third base. There's no reason to run him out there in, le- in left field anymore. Uh, Shane Victorino probably remains part of the lineup, but uh, he's, uh, I think he's option year uh, or, or uh, in the in the winter or either that or I mean either way I think uh, he's a guy who potentially comes off the books uh, in the winter. But uh, it's it's a situation now where like yeah I mean Jackie Bradley I assume I mean he was just coming on as a matter of fact it's kind of I mean I think he he's like an obvious guy he loses out here. Uh, Nava to me is not even a guy you talk about. Like you said, he's a little, little older, but uh, Bradley was actually st- showing some signs of life, and I'm kind of pissed because I picked him up in Towers this past week for for zero. <laughs> but uh, and uh, I think it's it's going to be interesting to interesting to see if if uh, if how the playing time is divided up the rest of the way. Uh, Brock Holt I think is due some negative regression. Then what do they do? Um, as a 
because uh, they they also dealt away Stephen Drew, and that's something we can get to in just a few minutes. But uh, I think I think the whole playing time situation in Boston is is going to be interesting for the rest of the season. Uh, Craig definitely interests me next year. I I just really have concerns about what he's done this year and the multiple opportunities. I mean, at, at this point, he he can't be in the dark about the way he's performed or be surprised that he is somebody that you know would get tried in right. Uh, I guess it's so. It, it is going to be interesting to to me to see how he responds. Uh, how about that rotation, though, I mean, yes, that uh, is really that's intriguing. Darren Lackey are gone. Google's uh, like he, he found a changeup in the middle of a start, and um, I'm going to check his game logs here real quick. He's uh, been blown up in a few of them since still, <laughs> right? You know, and it's yeah. like he just continues to be uh, somebody you can just not really trust. Uh, and you know that I think it was was it the Houston start one of those starts was a Chicago start he found it and so then he had like 19 strikeouts against one walk in <laughs> and you're like okay here we go and then since then he's had eight strikeouts against eight walks in in 17 innings so um, I I'm just gonna say I don't I'm gonna continue to stay away from play buckles so I never really believed in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so then you're talking about who's coming up after that. I guess Ruby, uh, Ruby I like. I always have. The question for me is how many innings he has left. Uh, there's sort of a general rule that's not something to stick fast to, but uh, usually there's about a 120% rule. Um, I think that gets a little bit tougher when you have a guy coming off surgery and he only had like 60 or 50 innings. So, um, you know, he pitched 60 innings last year. I'm not saying that he can only pitch 72 this year. No, no, but- last year 90. It was about uh, 90, 91. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 91. Yeah, I misread. Uh, he's, so he's, but he's, he's already pitched 114 this year. Yeah, so he's definitely – either way, he's still – he's closing in on a wall. Yeah, and I, I doubt they let him – so night, if, even if they call it 100 uh, with spring or whatever or, 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 you know, maybe they had him throw some where it, doesn't, it didn't record um, – uh, you'd still uh, you'd still wouldn't want him to go too fast with 120, 125. So I think he'll he'll hit a, and he's limited soon. And they're gonna try and get maybe like five more starts out of him by doing like five inning starts. They've already been doing that. He's five inning starts. So he's not good for wins anyway. Um, Alan Webster came up and uh, didn't necessarily have a great debut, but um, he has more innings. He has 135 on his roster for last year. So he can go to 160, which leaves him about 30, 40 more innings left. Um, and that's amazingly exactly what Zips projects him into, uh, but doesn't love him much, even though uh, he has high, you know, mid-90s mid fastball um, and a good changeup. Um, there's still a lot to, to ask out of Alan Webster. And Ronaldo, um, you know, from what I heard in the past uh, was like the most likely guy to get traded because you know he never really put up great numbers in the minor leagues and even this year uh, he only had two strikeouts for every walk you know not the best minor league season except for when it came to results Um, and I'm gonna look for uh, oh no intentional talk is on Um, (laughs) Uh, I'm gonna see if he was a big ground ball guy. It would that would nope, not a big ground ball guy. In fact, uh, below league average. So 
I do not have much hope for Ronaldo. Um, and, uh, you know, I really want to see Henry Owens come up. But um, if they run out Buchholz, uh Rubby, Alan Webster, Brandon Workman, and Jose Ronaldo, that's five. Uh, they're going to have to wait until Rubby runs out of innings uh, to have an obvious need in the rotation. And uh, it's not like Henry Owens himself uh, has a ton of uh, innings. Let me see how many innings I think he has left. He threw – actually, he threw 134 last year. He's at 121 right now. Um, I think it's likely that um, either they bring him up for some bullpen work or they – they have him come up in September for a couple starts, but I don't think we're going to see Henry Owens for an extended stretch in the major leagues. I mean, he's still getting his feet wet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and of, still, all their, of, of all their prospects in terms of pitching, he's the one I like the best. Okay. He's an interesting player. I think uh, based on the fact that, that Rubby – I always thought it was Ruby. I think it's Ruby, but I'm not positive. I like saying Rubby more. I probably shouldn't say that. Rubies. <laughs> Yes, I know. I know. But these things aren't always pronounced the way we think they should be. Anyway, uh, uh, De La Rosa is probably going to – I mean, he, he say he, he's going to run out of starts in August. Uh, you have to think – I mean, I think that it's a good possibility that Webster does as well. Uh, so you're, you're still looking at two potential uh, rotation spots that they have to fill. And, uh, I mean, I think – I mean, it's possible I would think that we get a look at, uh, say, Edwin Escobar that they traded for from San Francisco – um, or uh, Matt Barnes, uh, he's 24. Uh, I mean, these are all guys that you have to ex- figure are going to get possible looks next season. I mean, it, Boston doesn't necessarily have top of the rotation guys per se, but the, a number, a lot of number two types uh, or number three types, I think, and they're going to get a good look at uh, a lot of them within the next year or so. Uh, Barnes. Yeah, I think- I think uh, Escobar, going into this year, I thought Escobar was underrated. And especially for fantasy, I was pretty excited about him coming up into San Francisco um, because he's a fastball change guy with a, with a lot of uh, command. I mean, it, it, a long history of it. He then hit the PCL and gave up over a homer per nine, 1.3 for his first time in his career. And all of his numbers broke down. And, you know, now everyone's talking about how he doesn't have a breaker. And all these, uh, you know, problems that he that he had, but they weren't talking about those before. So, you know, I think it's worth uh, giving Escobar a shot and 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 at least giving him a chance to at least be uh, Dubrant. Uh, <laughs> you know, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't he doesn't throw as hard as Dubrant, but he has way more control. Um, so, um, you know, I I don't know. I I kind of like Escobar. I've got him in a twenty team dynasty with forty man roster. I'm going to hold on to that stock just a little bit longer. And, yeah, we might see him in September. And uh, take a look at that changeup and tell me that there isn't something there. I'd be happy to. I haven't seen a GIF, and I don't know how to make any, unfortunately. But I would, I'd be glad to check it out anytime you give me a lead on a pitching prospect, especially with a pitch. I'm more than happy to check it out. And then Barnes, is, to me, is a guy who's intriguing because of the – great strikeouts and he's been kind of on a fast track. I can't help but think that we don't see a glimpse of him also by the end of the season. That's true. And he did get 111 innings last year and he only has 86 this year. There's there's he's done triple his second second attempt yeah. at play. So it seems And like they've 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 uh kind of the 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 Ruby Ruby 
approach, except in the, for him it's in the majors and for him it's been in the minors. He's a very low inning total for each of his starts. I mean, they've kept him at a pretty low number. So I think that perhaps at this point is kind of with the opportunity to groove him for that, I guess. And, and the strikeout rate is down considerably from the past pretty well, pretty much any season for him. Uh, and that makes me wonder, you've talked about this as a possibility and obviously, I mean, we'd have to do some research on that, but the strikeout rate is down about five strikeouts per nine innings this year. Maybe they've asked him to work on something specific. Uh, because uh, unless either Lattery's hurt or something, uh, but whatever it is, it's. Uh, I wouldn't immediately say that this guy is suddenly off the prospect radar because of uh, what's going on there with that. I'd want to know a lot more about that because uh, he continues the pitch, and uh, they don't seem to be overly concerned about that. Still to come, Justin Masterson to St. Louis. Wow. Uh, first of all, and this is obviously this is a guy who struggled. We talked about him at various times because he's followed up a 2013 that we kind of viewed as a break. Uh, fantasy owners kind of viewed as a breakout season. James Ramsey, by the way, heads to Cleveland. He's kind of a second tier prospect. Uh, but Masterson, been miserable all year. You've talked also about uh, the lack of kind of variety and movement of his pitches. Uh, and he's had some grotesque platoon splits against him. Uh, but there's certainly reason to be optimistic not just because of the league switch, uh, but also Jeff Sullivan had a great article kind of summarizing a lot of the reasons you could like Masterson just for the move alone. St. Louis, uh, one of the best defensive teams in baseball and moves from Cleveland, who's pretty much been the worst uh, on defense. Uh, and then also there's the prospect that Masterson is now healthy when he comes off the disabled list for a start this Saturday for St. Louis. And uh, he's been dealing with potentially been dealing with a uh, pain in his knee since sometime in April, even though he didn't hit the disabled list and complain about it until sometime in late June and hit the DL again in early July uh, with this issue. Uh, some potential positives here, but uh, so do you see some positive? I mean, I wrote a, I wrote a quick entry on him today. Also a guy who maybe uh, is going to benefit because St. Louis is a team that is so been focused on the two seam slash sinker ball and, and Masterson, that's his specialty. And also a, Got to think that they they might want to throw him to, th- to throw the slider a lot more. He wasn't he hasn't been throwing it as often as he was last year. That can happen for whatever that can happen because of injury, um, and uh, you know that does make everything seem a lot more ridiculous. I mean, an eighty percent um, fastball usage um, from a, a starter already seems pretty ridiculous. Um, I mean, part of it is. I mean, his his walk rate has been ridiculous. He he has clearly probably been pitching from behind for a good portion of, you know, for instance, his his total batter's face count. I mean, this is a guy who's who's clearly been off. Uh, but nevertheless, I mean, I think that there's just there. I think there are an array of things going on here that it's Masterson is not by any means. I don't think an elite pitcher, but it's kind of one of those things where if this falls in place, then this can fall in place behind it, and then this can fall in place behind it, such as. Uh, if they fix good, I mean, his release point has dropped considerably this season, uh, different from the past two seasons. His control has been off, et cetera, et cetera. That if they get these things in order, maybe they get him back to being something closer to what he was last year. There's always a, a kind of non-saber thing about command, which is that you know command and confidence are, are, are linked to each other, mm-hmm. um, as pitchers always tell me, and so. Um, you know there can be uh, there can be a sort of staying away from the heart of zone, staying further and further away from the heart of zone, based on um, you know bad results on balls in play, uh, which Masterson has been getting. 
um, a couple of homers, misplaced homers, um, you know, a couple uh, blow-ups. So, you know, he could get healthy, um, you know, face some 7, 8, 9 hitters in the National League, um, start throwing more BBs down the center uh, of the uh, uh, down the center of the plate and, and, you know, improving his walk rates. Uh, and, you know, he's the odd sinker ball that actually gets a lot of strikeouts. So, um, you know, his upside is mixed league worthy. Um, and I will take Steamer over Zips, and that Steamer projects a 299 Babbitt, and Zips projects a 312 Babbitt. But I do think the defense behind him is going to help him to that extent. Um, but, you know, Masterson's career walk rate is 371 for nine. If he, if he uh, pitches to that going forward, even with his current strikeout rate, I don't, I don't think he's going to do much better than um, a mid to high threes ERA. So uh, I don't think he'll win you any leagues. Uh, but um, as a back of the rotation, especially in head-to-head, where maybe you can decide not to start him or, or start him based on the matchup, um, I think he could be a good final pitcher, a good final two uh, pitcher for you. Yeah, those teams against uh, perhaps that are kind of tend to be that lean a little more right-handed. Uh, he would be seem to be uh, kind of a primed for those. Uh, none of them come to mind off the top of my head, uh, but uh, perhaps a <clears throat> like a Washington or somebody like that. Uh, and I think that uh, it, it's. <laughs> Again, we uh, we talk uh, speaking of Washington. Uh, well, first uh, let's get to uh, Cleveland. Now that uh, they've created this ro- uh, the uh, rotation spot opening, T.J. House he was called up. He's going to make the next uh, take the next turn. Danny Salazar already being up and having one of them, uh, and uh, House is going to take the turn for fr- uh, for Cleveland on Friday. Zach McAllister was also a guy. I mean, he didn't he kind of underwhelmed. Do you see? Uh, for those deep league owners, do you see House or McAllister kind of having better rest of season value? I mean, or does better, it matter? Better <laughs> rest of season value in that he's going to start, and so uh, and he pitches in a pitcher's in a pitcher's park. So I just don't I don't believe in it very much. Uh, which one is that? McAllister. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he's he seems to be a guy who's kind of. Um, he basically pitches to contact and doesn't have any uh, exceptional offerings. It makes me wonder if he's not one of these guys. He's thrown the two-seamer a lot more this year. Uh, maybe he tried the Corey Kluber approach to changing his results, and it actually got the opposite. <laughs> I mean, he's been atrocious at the major league level this season, so maybe that does not work for him. Uh, House is a guy I like, and at least in very deeply, he's just because, I mean, he's, he's, he's displayed pretty good control at times throughout his career, but his... Uh, and it's shown a pretty decent mix of uh, <clears throat> uh, like a kind of a decent fastball changeup and a uh, slider combination. I think that he could be a guy who at least can help you tread water. For yeah, you know, actually he's thrown two hundred, almost two hundred changeups and, sl- and sliders each, and uh, he's got an average changeup and a plus slider. And uh, the sinker gets great ground balls. So uh, by pitch type peripherals, House looks interesting. Yeah. And it looks a lot more interesting than McAllister. I mean, McAllister's got nothing going on down there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is... I, I'm not talking about it in his pants. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I don't think we've ever gone that low on any <laughs> player on this show. So speaking of Cleveland players, uh, another to move on is Astro Ball Cabrera. He was traded just before the deadline to Washington. And 
I guess there's a potential here that he becomes a backup player. Uh, I, I've seen this. I haven't seen anything kind of clear as their, their plan. Cabrera is probably a better player offensively than Danny Espinosa, but Espinosa clearly has an advantage on him as far as the glove is concerned. Uh, is, is Cabrera strictly – I mean, he's he loses value, I think, one way or the other because they have the option. But, uh, I mean, this is this is pretty much – I mean, this is potentially the end of the road as far as Cabrera's fancy value is concerned long-term. Yes? Uh, because you assume that he won't start again? Well, I mean, I think it's a possibility. I don't, I don't I'm not going to assume that he doesn't start again, but uh, it kind of has, you know, the potential feel, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's the kind of uh, the way that you sort of bounce down towards um, the the wrong side of the division. You know what I mean? You you then you end up on the Marlins at some point. Oh, <laughs> I'm just being mean. Um, but uh, I mean, couldn't you just see him on the Marlins next year? I mean, yes. They, they could totally use him. Uh, and, you know, one year he'll, he'll have some sort of resurgence. Um, he's not a terrible player. He's a little bit miscast as a uh, shortstop. Uh, the defense has been declining for a while. But if you if you plug him in at second base, maybe uh, he doesn't stress as much or doesn't use his body as much to play on defense. And then maybe uh, you can get league average power and, and some speed again from him. I mean, um, in his, in his uh, for his league line, he's had a – 330 on base percentage with league average power and uh, 70 stolen bases in five years. So, uh, well, I mean, it's more than five years, but wow, it's really taken him a long time to get those stolen bases. <laughs> uh, in 4,000 plate appearances and uh, 900 games. Well, not a ton of speed then, but uh, I, I could see him being you know, like the Marlins second base for next year. As for going forward this year, uh, there's a little bit of a, a change in park factors for him. It's not going to be a big deal for him. Um, maybe uh, maybe pitchers have a little bit less of a book on him um, in the National League. Um, so maybe he'll be able to take advantage of that and have a short little burst of effectiveness. It sounds like Zimmerman's out for the year, most of the year. Uh, so, you know, in terms of playing time, he should be good for the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah. Cabrera does seem. I mean, he seems certainly likely to take over second base. Maybe hitting in fr- in front of the so in the seventh or eighth spot in the order, uh, as opposed to. I mean, I think he was still kind of hitting toward the front of the order in Cleveland. Maybe that, but he's. I mean, he's going to lose at bats that way. So it's, uh, it's not a, not a, not a huge thing. But like you said, it could be something where he takes a little bit of the National League by surprise. Zach Walters to Cleveland. This is a, another shortstop prospect who's depleted some who's dis- Played some power in the minor leagues. Uh, is this a guy who intrigues you at all in the long term? Well, I wrote up the instant analysis on this one uh, today. And uh, the one thing that I focused on was the fact that in the minor leagues, um, he's had below average walk rates and below average strikeout rates uh, in AAA as a uh, 22, 23, and 24-year-old. Uh, that puts him in the box to uh, bust about 90%, about 88% of the time. Um, so he's very high likely to uh, bust. He's already moving off shortstop. This year he played um, uh, 14 games of short, seven in left, seven in right, one in the center in the minor leagues. So he's looking like he might be headed towards being a utility player. Um, he is a switch hitter, so he's that going for him. And also recently – 
uh, like this year, his his power and patience both took a leap forward. So I guess Cleveland is betting that the uh, power and patience improvements are real. Um, they can get a guy who almost walks the average rate while striking out a bit too much um, and hitting 240 or so um, with uh, a little bit of power and speed. I mean, it, you know, Jack Ramsey's not too far from the same profile where Ramsey uh, strikes out a bit too much. He walks a lot more than Walters. Um, and uh, Ramsey, statistically at least, reminds me a little bit of a young Nick Swisher. So, um, you know, there's something something nice about getting Ramsey. Walters, I think, is a much, much smaller deal, and I wouldn't bet on him. I'm ne- not necessarily picking him up. Yeah. Immediate beneficiaries in Cleveland uh, playing time. I mean, it's it's too certain. Francisco Lindor was just uh, just promoted to Triple A level. It's only been there for about a week, give or take. Uh, Mike Aviles probably Aviles probably slides into the shortstop spot uh, and into the regular lineup. Although I mean, they could go with a <clears throat> uh, Jose Ramirez. I think Ryan Rayburn has probably kind of outlived his usefulness in the infield. Um, Aviles. Well, Walters might might actually uh, play with the big league team the rest of the year because his his clock has already started. They want to see how useful he's going to be next year. So I think, um, you know, and, and Aviles has been a platoon guy, so maybe they uh, kind of alternate Aviles and Walters at short um, and see what happens there and, and give Walters a shot and see what they got. Um, and then, uh, you know, one thing I didn't want to say about Francisco Lindor, he's close enough where they could call him up now and play short. Um, that would be starting his clock a little bit early, I guess, for a team that's not necessarily very competitive. Um, I'm not sure that Lindor is going to be a great fantasy asset. Uh, he did steal 25 this year, but 25 is not, you know, we know that A, stolen bases age really terribly. They just fall off a cliff, and they, just as a stat, they age terribly. Um, but also, when you look at guys, you know, look at Adam Eaton's uh, minor league uh, save, uh, stolen base goals. I know it's just one guy. And you can't just say because Adam Eaton did this, therefore blah blah blah. But you know, when a guy steals twenty to twenty-five bases in the minor leagues, I say he could steal anywhere from five to thirty in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. So to me, uh, Lindor, you know, I'm going to guess that he steals like ten or fifteen bags, hits you like uh, five homers, you know, five to ten homers a year, um, and is it better real life? If yeah, exactly. If everything goes well with the strikeout rate. Maybe he has a 300 batting average, but I would guess to be safe, you want to put him into sort of 275 territory. Um, 275, you know, 7 and 15 as your sort of baseline is not uh, not knocking anybody's pants off. And on base percentage leagues, maybe a little bit more upside because he's walked at every level so far. That sounds fair to me. I think, yeah, I think. Uh... Lindor does strike me. I mean, I think he is going to be a better real life player than that fantasy asset. I'm, I'm hopeful on the speed, uh, but at the same time, his success rate in the minor leagues, which is somewhere under eighty percent, seventy five percent even, is not. I mean, it's not real inspiring, and it just uh, maybe I think it's kind of one of those situations. Maybe they they don't tend to hold him back. Uh, and don't really see a need to at this time, but it's something that cer- certainly could change at the major league level. Moving to uh, Miami, who we were just talking about, Eno is one of favorite, Eno's favorite trade destinations. Uh, Jared Cosart is now a Marlin as well. 
And Houston had made it clear that they were willing to trade all of their starting pitchers pretty much. Uh, then it turned into all their starting pitchers minus Dallas Keuchel. And that pleased fantasy owners who just found love, have fallen in love with Dallas Keuchel. Unless he moved to a better situation, I guess. And then it would uh, make them even feel warmer inside. But that wasn't going to happen. Kosar to Miami is an interesting play. Uh, he's, I mean, he's a, a pitcher with a 4 ERA. Uh, he has at times actually shown some promise based on when we evaluated him earlier this season. He doesn't show anything. Uh, terribly inspiring other than he throws hard uh, but doesn't get a lot of strikeouts. Does he become a little more intriguing now that he's in the National League and with a big ballpark? I don't. I just don't believe in him. He's got no command. And, uh, I mean, yes, he's a little bit more intriguing in, in, in Miami, but um, I just I can't believe in it. I can't believe in his, in his repertoire. I mean, uh, it's it, the the curve looks really nice. He throws a cutter instead of a fastball, uh, or he throws a cutter as his regular fastball. Um, and so when you look at it by pitch types, you're kind of like, well, if he throws the cutter instead of a regular fastball, why does it only get six percent whiffs? So he actually gets worse whiffs than his four seam, uh, just because he throws his four seam not very often. His, his curve is supposedly nasty, and it can look nasty when you're watching, but it gets 7% whiffs over his career. So um, the curve hasn't worked in the biggest sample. When you start uh, looking at just this year, uh, his changeup has gotten close to being average, but he's thrown 68 of them. And you still see a 6% whiff rate on the cutter, 6% whiff rate on the, on the curve, and ball rates that are just terrible across the board. I mean, all over 40%. Uh, so... It's just I see a guy who can't command it. Uh, even on his good games, he's either getting calls or or the the batters are helping him out, and uh, the the arsenal doesn't doesn't really wow me. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, those same concerns are still kind of there with me too. He kind of strikes me as a. I mean, maybe he's a pitcher who's kind of a little similar to. Not Henderson Alvarez so much, but more so Nate Evaldi. I mean, who had, I want to say, similar concerns when he came over from the Dodgers. Uh, and he's gone through a rough stretch here, but is, was def- had definitely become a, a little bit more of an efficient pitcher since he had moved to Miami. Uh, and I think that if there's some maturity here that goes on with Kosar, I mean, I think that there's some hope. But I'm not like, I'm not still not real optimistic, but because again, there's, I think there are just a lot of things that have to happen for him to become a more intriguing player. And it's just hard for me to see him being of use outside in all only leagues. Yeah. Well, you know, the one, another thing na- name that sort of scares me uh, when I look at him is Danny Duffy, because uh, I mean, what did Danny Duffy had? He had a big old curveball uh, control issues and 95 mile an hour gas. So um, it kind of, you know, that's that you could use that to describe Jared Cosart. So, you know, the best luck that I've had is a diversity of approach. Um, like I've said, pick your Corey Kluber types, uh, pick your Yavaldi Richards types, you know, go for, and, and if you're looking for undervalued pitching, get three or four or five to fill your last couple of slots. And get all those guys for different reasons. Get the guy with the big fastball. Get the guy with the three off-speed pitches. You know, don't uh, don't put all your eggs in one basket, or else you end up with, um, you know, getting just Kluber out of Estrada, Kluber, Kosar, You know, blah blah blah. <laughs> uh, you know, I just tried to name all my misses. Uh, but you can also look at um, 
you know, the 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 Astros gave up Cozart and um well that's interesting. That's really interesting. Uh I think the winner of this deal is actually Kike uh, Hernandez. Because uh Kike Hernandez made a change to his batting stance. Uh he went from a big uh uh sort of uh big leg kick to a little toe tap. Um and his contact rate went up through the roof this year. Uh, Kike Hernandez doesn't have uh, an, an obvious position. He's not a shortstop. They've been playing him in center field. He can play third base, I think. And they just traded him to the Marlins for Colin Moran, who was basically the only third baseman in the um, Marlins organization uh, that was going to possibly take the job from, from uh, McGee in the future. So I would watch to see how they use Kike Hernandez. And if he starts getting starts at third base... Um, that could be in, that could be where he ends up for good. It's interesting, and I, uh, the Astros getting an addition. Uh, well, in that deal, uh, well, besides Cosart and Enrique Hernandez and Austin Waits, the Astros acquired Jake Marisnik, Colin Moran, who we talked about as kind of an underwhelming player. I think Marisnik kind of seems like a future solid fourth outfielder, perhaps, and Francis Martes, who I'm not real familiar with, but. Uh, not sure that I mean, did Houston do itself any favors here? Yeah, I mean, Colin Moran is interesting. Um, he's like the, I think the opposite of uh, Matt Dominguez. Um, you know, Matt Dominguez is all glove and power, and Colin Moran is probably a little bit more uh, patience, contact, and glove. Um, as far as as I'm reading the situation, so, um, you know, I think uh, that's an interesting pairing to have. Uh, if they decide that you know what they what they might end up doing is trading Matt Dominguez, trying to find a peak value for Matt Dominguez, and, and maybe next year's trade deadline they they trade Matt Dominguez um, and install Colin Moran. So I think they were looking to the third baseman beyond Matt Dominguez, um, and I bet you that entire trade was about Colin Moran. That's fair enough. It seems like an interesting deal to say the least. I think uh, Dominguez in any other park might not be as appealing. Uh, because, yeah, he doesn't really offer much in the way to fantasy owners besides the power. Yeah. Moving to uh, some other small deals that have gone down. Martin Prado moves to the Yankees uh, in a deal that uh, includes <clears throat> catcher Peter O'Brien moves to uh, Arizona. Prado to the Yankees, who have also acquired Stephen Drew. I mean, basically, seems like they're kind of loading up on – uh, flexible players, uh, backups, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, this is a team that is, I mean, they've, they've kind of gone low. You kind of talk about this. They've gone low cost. They've added players who are, um, uh, kind of versatile and they haven't really cost them that much. And Prado is an interesting player. Who's really kind of, he's passed, certainly passed his peak seasons at this point. Uh, but he loses significant fancy value. It seems uh, they have a number of options to play around that infield now. Stephen Drew, have you even seen speculated as perhaps he's going to play some second base? Um, it, this is going to be this is this is going to be a very interesting Yankees, Yankees infield, but only from the perspective of where the playing time goes because the fantasy production uh, seems to be kind of lacking there. Is I there, think I think Prado could play in the outfield. Yeah, uh, certainly can, certainly can. Yeah, he's um, done it fast. I think Prado plays in the outfield. Um, and uh, Headley's been too good, uh, you know, just in terms of how he's played, but he's also a good defender. 
So Headley Headley sticks a third, um, and then Drew um, he plays second. But um, you know they're going to give Derek Jeter some days off just to make the team better. <laughs> um, I mean, sorry to, <laughs> for, for Jeter's health uh, because Absolutely. his health his health next year and going forward is very important to them. <laughs> um, uh, Peter O'Brien did play in the AFL All Star Game um, and. Uh, he could be interesting at some point. Um, not the AFL All-Star game. The Futures game this year. Um, so uh, I saw him at the Futures game. He looked uh, he looked strong and aggressive um, in batting practice, which is uh, when everyone looks strong and aggressive. <laughs> um, analysis. Uh, anyway, uh, I would say Prado doesn't lose that much and uh, could gain from a little kick in the ass. And, um, hey, by the way, the games count again. Um, Stephen Drew, uh, I don't think that sort of thing matters as much to him. Actually, Prado supposedly is a gamer, grit guy, you know, there to work every day. So that's not supposed to mean anything to him. Um, but who knows? There are some intangibles to jumping right into a tennis but uh, to a pennant race and also a tangible effect of jumping into a better lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you can expect uh, their runs in RBI to go up. Uh, and for Prada, that's a big deal because that's all he really offers other than a, a decent batting average. So I, I think, think I'll get a little tick up. <clears throat> but I think, uh, well, the, the, I mean, Gardner, Brett Gardner and Jacoby Ellsbury, they they, they have uh, the outfield on lockdown. Uh, they've, this I think primarily this helps the Yankees who had talked about moving uh, starting to within the next couple of weeks they were going to look to get Carlos Beltran back into some outfield uh, time and I think that that totally alleviates them of that interest because Beltran has started to hit and that's certainly a positive uh, coming off uh, an elbow injury and where they you know at, at the time they weren't sure if he was even going to keep him down for the rest of the season uh, to, to allow him strictly to DH that's going to be that certainly has to be a positive. But uh, at the same time, I mean, I think where you divide up the bats, uh, I mean, it's it's a good possibility that Prado platoons with Ichiro uh, at the very least. I mean, Ichiro has actually been he's been a, an okay performer. We I mean, he still has a good arm. Not sure how he, uh, the numbers stack up in terms of WAR or anything like that uh, for him offhand. But uh, I mean, I think it's the 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 outfield arrangement. I don't I, I, I want to say that this doesn't necessarily. Uh, yeah, he's a, he's actually a negative defensively still. Or well, this season, uh, and uh, and so per- perhaps that's where uh, Prado kind of uh, maybe they shift Gardner to right field somehow. Uh, but I think it, it, it's it's hard. For, I think it's hard for me to see Prado being a guy that they rely on on a regular basis, at least right away. Uh, well, they're paying him. I don't know. I don't know what how the cash worked out in the deal, but uh, he was due twenty two million over the next two years. So. Well, that could be a strong reason to get him in there. <laughs> yeah. If they're paying him that, I mean, that's 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 everyday money. Yes. Uh, other Diamondbacks on the move uh, include Gerardo Pera, who moves to Milwaukee. I'm basically uh, kind of assuming here that he becomes an instant backup. Uh, he's always kind of been a fourth outfielder of short and air for Arizona, who's, who had been forced into playing time in the last season plus. Certainly, it's a situation that I mean that sucks for his fantasy owners. Uh, it's kind of a nice way to to reinforce your outfield for the Brewers, who are uh, minus Carlos Gomez, are probably 
uh, not real strong there defensively, I would say. Um, do you like, Indi uh, well, I guess uh, basically it's probably a better opportunity to talk about, I think David Peralta has probably kind of locked up his spot in the lineup now for Arizona. Inciarte probably takes a seat once Cody Ross is back. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. AJ Pollock. Let's not talk about Cody Ross, please. Okay, sorry. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think it's uh, – well, I think it's Peralta. I think what it means is Peralta gets a real shot at, at being a starting outfielder for the rest of the season. Uh, yeah, like you say, Enciarte uh, uh, until Pollock comes back. And then, you know, without a signing, the next year it's um, Pollock, uh, Pollock, Trumbo, uh, Peralta. Uh, which is a really weird outfield, and I'm sorry. I do not like Kevin Towers. I think that he has done a terrible job. Mm -hmm. uh, um, I think the Justin Upton trade was amazingly botched. There's nobody left on his roster from it anymore. Uh, I think he, he makes uh, quick decisions when sometimes long decisions uh, are better. And uh, I think he's torn down this roster, and, uh, and uh, now he gets to start the guy that he tore it down for, Didi Gregorius, the next Derek Jeter, he gets to start him at third base. Um, you get to see what what a lineup looks like when it has uh, two shortstops and uh, Aaron Hill uh, around the infield. So uh, I think he's getting what he deserves a little bit. Uh, I don't know why I have vehemence toward him. It's a little, this sounds a little bit mean-spirited. I just um, – I just – I think that from his comments, he, he's been very sure of himself, and I don't think it's working out for him. And uh, congratulations. He also, uh, the news is, uh, just uh, uh, recalled uh, Andy Marte from uh, from the minor leagues uh, to play third base. And Andy Marte was hitting 330 with a 180 on base, uh, nice contact rate in the minor leagues, and was everybody's favorite prospect a while back. Until he spent 900 PAs doing absolutely nothing for the Indians. So, um, you know, Marte's 30 years old. We've had stranger stories in the past, uh, but it's mostly uh, from Nick Picoro, I hear. Or is it Picoro? It's not. Yeah, I've never been sure how to pronounce his name. I there was some joke at some point about pie and cake, but I'm pretty sure it's Picoro. But Nick Picoro says it's going to be Didi Gregorius, and I trust Nick Picoro, So, Yeah, that's uh, – I, I don't think that your criticism of Towers is entirely misguided. Uh, it's certainly been – I mean, his kind of lack of uh, – the the lack of evolution of his thinking is kind of what got him, I think, canned in San Diego as a team looking to, to – be a little more innovative as far i mean certainly had earned his stripes as uh with some some productive things that he had done for san diego taking advantage primarily i think of the ballpark environment there that peco first created for them but has not really done much with that otherwise or since and or has created a team to suit it for it offensively and uh it seems to be i mean there other than other than paul goldschmidt and, and perhaps miguel montero there's really nothing offensively that is and, and of course and mark trumbo uh, there's really nothing intriguing about this team uh, unless uh, assuming uh, unless chris owings turns out to be I mean, and archie bradley i mean you know you, you could squint and see a sort of uh star duo there but uh, you know yeah i think 
I think he sort of ran it into the ground, like mm-hmm. pretty quickly. So, um, and all the focus on grit is the, just this. This this is, hello. Yes, the Trevor um, Bauer deal was his also, as correct? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And also just signing Kirk Gibson. I know I love Kirk. I love that iconic moment with the fist bump. But that's one that's you know chills. Love it. Yeah, it's the best. As a manager, he kind of annoys me because he's the kind of uh, manager that I would hate to have as a person. Um, he banned like cell phones in the clubhouse, uh, banned all video games before games. Uh, he's the no nonsense gun. Everyone's coming here to be you know, professionals and blah, 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 blah. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a bit stifling to me. And, it's, and this idea that they were uh, taking a, a cutter away from Brandon McCarthy, uh, it just it, it sort of baffles me because Brandon McCarthy is a friggin' veteran, man. If he thinks this pitch will help him, you don't worry about his long-term health. You don't worry about this or that. You say, all right, Brandon, throw it for a couple starts and see what happens, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I, I just uh, I don't really like a lot of the things that are going on in Arizona. Yeah, that's that's the kind of management approach I always think is. I mean, I think of as it's anti-productive. It's it's unproductive or it's anti. Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of a you're creating correlation. Uh, you're 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 you're, cre- you're creating bans on things uh, because of the correlations with them, and not necessarily because of the causes. And the end of the day, you're not you're not focusing on what actually needs to be done. And say, look, I need these things done, and I want it done in this way. And just make sure that these things don't interfere with that. There's a, it's kind of a backwards approach to management in terms of the personalities and the, and the, and the people. I think that that's really kind of, uh, I mean, that could, yeah, that it, it's probably, I mean, it's potentially, it's, it could be difficult to lure players there as well because of the kind of the, the environment that they create in Arizona. Yeah. I mean, if they were interested in, in signing anybody. Uh, the, uh, I did want to check something, you know, cause I, I do try to be, uh, consistent with, uh, my analysis and, you know, I do, I do sometimes laud, even though I don't totally agree with what Baltimore did about banning the cutter, I do sometimes laud it. Um, I will say that on our leaderboards, at least it shows up as, uh, Evan Meek, um, throwing the cutter, uh, 60% of the time. Um, so Either that's the cut fastball that Dan Duquette talks about that's okay with him and not the cutter. Um, it says Tommy Hunter throws a cutter too. So uh, maybe maybe they're being a little draconic, like uh, uh, you know, a little bit too iron-fisted with their pitchers. Or maybe um, you know they're saying, Evan Meek, you're a, a goddamn reliever. You're a veteran. Uh, if the cutter's working for you, do it, and uh, we'll enjoy you for a couple of years, and then... Uh, thank you for your services. So um, that's how I would have felt. Um, but any case, um, you know, I, I I try not to, you know, I do, you know, want to get it right because Baltimore, you know, has a similar thing. I don't necessarily totally agree with it, but I have a lot of them for trying to think differently. And if if Arizona banned the cutter, you know, I guess I could you could see it that way too, trying to be different. But um, uh, in this case with Brandon McCarthy, it seemed a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. There seems to be, there seems to be some strange, I guess, uh, some strange things going on there in, in, in a number of ways with Arizona. Uh, other uh, other small time trades to go on. Andrew Miller to Baltimore, basically shoring up that bullpen. And I think, yeah, as you mentioned, 
kind of a long. I mean, it's 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 still a bit of a different thing uh, with relievers versus starters. Uh, I'm making kind of a what I think is an easy assumption. There's there has to be something to that in the sense that uh, repetition, frequency, etc., or, or the quantity in terms of uh, both innings and just number of pitches. Uh, that uh, that kind of thing is uh, in terms of the uh, potential effect for injury. I mean, it's just there's there's a lesser lesser potential, I guess, of long term uh, negative effects on health for pitchers. Uh, but Eduardo Rodriguez to Boston. Now this is um, this is a pitcher. I guess it's interesting. Baltimore, uh, Boston was. Basically, uh, rumor was they were demanding some sort of uh, high-end prospect for Miller and that, that uh, in order to move Miller, they were going to have to come down off that. Do you think Rodriguez qualifies? They've, had, they've added some significant assets to their bull, bullpen in recent uh, days as, as Boston. Do you think Rodriguez qualifies as one of them? I think you know it's a live arm that almost had a strikeout per inning last year, um, kind of stepped off of that a little bit this year. Uh, you know, that's a pretty, pretty good return. Um, in terms of, uh, what he does with the ball, you know, he's had some better ground ball rates in the past, but those have gone away. Uh, the control isn't great. Um, you know, it it hasn't turned to great results yet, but maybe they see something they can fix or something they like about him. Maybe they're going to put him in the bullpen. Um, maybe he'll be the next Andrew Miller. (laughs) And, uh, Heath Embry. I mean, this is somebody that they acquired. Is this a pitcher that you like? I mean, you've probably gotten to see him a little bit, uh, a little bit more than uh, at least the rest of us. Sure. Uh, you know, he's throws he's hard. Troll a little bit. He throws hard. Um, I think he's actually pretty good. And, um, you know, I think uh, he, he might even be better in the major leagues than he was in the minor leagues uh, in terms of, um, you know, get him the right uh sort of park I mean he's played a lot of uh, games in the PCL um, where he's given up some homers but is that necessarily something he's going to deal with his whole career or is that just something that happened in the PCL so you know 92 93 good slider uh, show me change uh, I think he's a pretty good pitcher all right and uh, Tommy Malone to Minnesota gets his wish gets out uh, at this point considering all the pitchers the A's had acquired uh, that even there had even been the rumor that the A's were working hard to move Jason Hamill just less than a month and they uh, after they had acquired him, uh, but Tommy Malone gets his <clears throat> gets his ticket out of Oakland and still moves to a ballpark that's pretty friendly to pitchers. That was definitely a requirement in order for him to retain some fantasy value, uh, and that is in the same full deal. Uh, do you, uh, I guess that's this has to make him you know at least a decent potential play in AL only leagues for the rest of the season. And uh, it definitely seems like it could take away an opportunity for Alex Meyer. You know, the thing about Malone, I mean, just look at the return. Sometimes you can look at the return and say, I'm a little bit worried about what's going to happen to him because they got back a guy they released earlier this year in Sam Fold. I mean, it's just that's a that's a really underwhelming return. And I understand that some of that comes from the fact that Malone himself torpedoed his own value a little bit because he made his public demands uh, his demands public on some level. Um, so I, I think, um, you know, that probably hurt his return. Uh, but and it, and it is nice that he's going to another pitcher's park, so he could at least be sort of a half-time, use, uh, half-time 
guy uh, that you can use at home. Uh, but in terms of running him out there every day, I think you're going to run into a lot of home runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just to, with that velocity, uh, now down to 87. You know, we talk a lot about velocity. And between 91, uh, no, between 89 and 93, uh, there's not actually a big difference in velocity and results in terms of swinging strike and homer rates on fastballs. But if you go below 89, it's a big deal. <coughs> so that's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, uh, Malone is always, I mean, he's basically, he's kind of a Jamie Moyer minus 20 years. And, yeah, I mean, it's, the command rates have been fantastic. I think, I mean, still think is a, you know, is an AL only commodity, but it's kind of a strict thing. Or if a guy you can, you can kind of, uh, uh, you, you plug in uh, in home starts and hope for the best kind of thing. Stephen yeah. uh, Stephen Drew, as you said, moves to the Yankees. Coming back is Kelly Johnson. I think he's basically worn out uh, all his fantasy value at this point. Yes. Yeah, and he's he's a little bit uh, further uh, down to the end of his career, I think, than someone like uh, as Drew Cabrera. I mean, uh, he was he was uh, kind of a, a trendy pick going into the season. Yeah, um, I liked him, <laughs> and he did show uh, he did show his power like he always did, and his patience, um, and he you know, stole two bags. But um, for whatever reason, he just can't uh, get good uh, batting average on balls and play love anymore, and he strikes out too much, and there's just not enough power to turn uh, some of those iffy things into, you know, to turn some of those fly balls into homers and you know, turn some of those duck snorts into line drives. So uh, I think uh, he's looking like a backup for the rest of his career. Yes. Felix DeBrant to Chicago Cubs. Uh, now they trade for former, uh, obviously former Boston front office in Chicago, trades for now former uh, Boston player, moves to National League. So, yeah, there's a, there's a, this is a player we just talked about. There's no real... We did. We definitely had our long-term doubts about uh, Dubron's ability to stick in a major league rotation, at least in Boston's rotation. Hey, he's he was really he was kind of exciting when he was 94 uh, miles an hour um, three years ago, or, or I guess not three years ago, two years ago. <laughs> um, and so then last year, I I thought, you know, I bought him in labor. He just never, you know, he never really had the great command. I mean, he gave me the inning, so I was happy with him, but um, not great command. And um, now the uh, the horizontal move on uh, movement on his changeup has um, really gone the wrong direction, um, and it's flatter than his or straighter than his sinker. Um, it's if you look at his horizontal movement, it's immediately obvious uh, that his changeup has gotten worse. Um, and that's affected the whiff rate on his changeup for his career. It's 16%. Um, for this year, it's, uh, 14%. And, uh, you know, the, with a curve and a change and a four seam, you still got what it sort of takes, but, um, he's also down to 90 mile an hour on the, on the four seam. So, you know, in the meantime, much of his star is dimmed and I think he's, uh, he could possibly be, you know, back of the rotation guy for the uh, for the Red for the Cubs, the old Red Sox, uh, new Cubs. Um, and uh, I just I don't I don't see his 
strikeout rate, jumping back to that one per inning level, uh, which is never going to make his command work. So I, I just don't see, I don't see this being the big success story. Yeah, I mean, I think I have. It makes me <clears throat> the only reason that I think it could be uh, of somewhat of, of interest is that uh, his release point has really changed um, in the last few in the last couple of years. Is really kind of uh, really kind of moved. I mean, it's it's more straight up and down. And I wonder, you know, maybe if there's. Uh, a chance that uh, that the Cubs have noticed something, or be, because there's like a bit of past organizational familiarity, right. and they might help him rediscover some of that thing that helps him get it back a little bit of velocity and command. But yeah, command and control are always an issue. I mean, this is kind of the thing where maybe he becomes a, like a one-year value in a redraft, you know, in a uh, redraft value in an NL only league next year or something like that. Yeah, yeah, a guy with like a four zero ERA maybe or four four one zero something. Yeah, he gets that back for you for one year, but is a uh, and. To a team like the Cubs, who's still in search of who's going to be a part of their future rotation, that's valuable, (laughs) at least for a PTBNL. Kristen Orfia to Seattle, that would have been a lot cooler had they not also acquired Austin Jackson. So we talked about the platoon situation there. Abraham Almonte, though, player you kind of liked coming in. I mean, I like him, and I think I thought in the end he was kind of miscast as a starter immediately coming into the season because I still thought there were some holes in. But now moves to San Diego. Uh, a little bit more of an opportunity, potentially long term. Oh, nice! He's in. He's going to actually join the Padres too. He's not um, reporting to the minor leagues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's an interesting player. I mean, I'm not going to certainly. I mean, there's a little bit of AL, AL only value here, but uh, what do we still like about Abraham Amante? Because he still. I mean, he he offers a little bit of power, a little bit of speed. And, uh, and in the minor leagues, has, has walked at uh, above average rate his whole career. Um, so, I mean, this is a guy who has a minor league on base percentage uh, around 360, 370, mm-hmm. and has speed and, and has been a great defender in, second, in center for most of his career. So, um, you know, Raymond Fuentes is either not ready or not a sure thing. Uh, Mabin's, um, you know, uh, suspended back- and is really disappointed. Really disappointed, and it's and, not healthy ever anyway. <laughs> right. So, uh, I he's on that infamous twenty-team dynasty that uh, has a forty-man roster. In that situation, I'm holding. I'm I'm excited that I held him. Uh, I don't think I would pick him up. Uh, th- that is an on-base percentage league, which is uh, makes his minor league walk rates more exciting. Um, with the strikeouts, I doubt he'll hit much better than two fifty, two sixty. Uh, you know, pie in the sky, uh, everything works out. He's the kind of guy who can play good defense, uh, hit 250-260 with a 325-330 on base, um, hit you, you know, 8 to 10 homers, steal you 20 bases. It's a deep league line. Yeah. Yeah. Potential here to be kind of the next Will Venable, maybe. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Although... As a switch hitter, hopefully, a little bit know, better chance of yeah getting on uh, well hitting for a decent average a little bit more often. Yeah, more of a weekly league guy instead of a daily league guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean he's uh, Venable is. Uh, I have to think that team control is running out for him soon. I think yeah, well, next season is the last year of a two-year deal that I think that they gave him probably to avoid arbitration. And so I mean I can't think at this point uh, he's a 31-year-old, almost 32-year-old player. He's not part of anybody's future plans. 
is probably kind of a he's a trade commodity in the offseason or next year as a as a backup outfielder for somebody. Yeah, let me see real quick. Venable uh, arbitration. He's got. Uh, oh yeah, the, he's got an option. No, it's the second part of that deal. Yeah. The second part of that deal is next year, mm-hmm. and then he's a free agent. So yeah. Uh, congratulations, San Diego. Uh, you will be trading with Venable next year. <laughs> And finally, I think uh, the only say this because I love. <laughs> we've and we've we've talked we've covered the JPV trade extensively, and so the really only the the only trade left to even uh, get to get to mention could be a bit more of an interesting mention because uh, Adam Lind and Edwin Encarnacion both had minor setbacks at least for now um, in, in terms of the recovery recovery from their respective injuries. Danny Valencia. Danny Valencia goes to Toronto for Liam Hendricks, who is a guy, and Eric Kratz, who is a backup catcher. Uh, it's an interesting move. It, I mean, at this point, Toronto uh, has probably lost a good bit of their excitement about their potential uh, playoff prospects this season. But uh, any potential here for playing time as far as Valencia is concerned? I, I think there, have, there, there probably is a little, but mostly as a platoon partner with Juan Francisco, probably only in the short term. That's exactly. It. I mean... When Francisco can't uh, bat against lefties, uh, Valencia is much better against lefties. Um, it's, it's it, you know, they didn't spend much. It's a decent trade um, to try and help win now. Um, and I guess they're just going to, you know, it's, it, they're still a candidate for the Cliff Lee waiver trade. So that's w- one thing to say. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing to say is, you know, they could. They have all teams have the minor league uh, sort of pitching that someone could come on and give them that boost. That's almost like trading for a pitcher. Um, so in terms of uh, what they should do and what they're like in terms of spending and, and the future, I do think um, they might be one of those teams that's best served by being cautious like this. They have a uh, 56% chance of. Of making the playoffs, they're only uh, two and a half games back at the Orioles. They're um, they've got the second wild card right now, um, and they've got it actually pretty comfortably, basically over the Yankees. So they they can def- decide their own fate by winning some games against the Yankees. Um, and I think they figured they looked at the Yankees and they said, "We're not too scared of them right now. Um, we're going to go at it with this team." And hopefully they'll get Edwin and Lynn back. Lynn is actually uh, on rehab, I think. You said there was a re- there was a, a setback. Yes, he felt some uh, while running. He felt some pain in his foot. He was actually forecasted to come back as soon as perhaps this weekend. And then uh, while running, uh, felt some pain in his in his foot, which uh, he has a, f- a fracture in. And so I think that that's that's certainly something to watch because obviously until that that goes away, that's something that he can't resume. Uh, and Encarnacion, a strained, strained quad, actually uh, is a. Uh, anytime you have a that soft tissue injury, there's a chance of reaggravate or of aggravation. So, uh, it was very mild, uh, as at least the last report I read on it. Doesn't sound like it's anything serious. I mean, reality is, is both of these players will be back. It just will take a little bit longer than they expected. Yeah, Laurie's supposed to go on a rehab assignment this weekend. I think they probably figured, you know we're still in this thing and we're about to get our three, three of our best bats back in the lineup. And Aaron Sanchez looks good in the, uh, in the bullpen. I actually picked him up in labor to, to be a reliever of mine. I, I think Casey Jansen looks a little bit shaky. 
his velocity is down, um, his swing strike rate is down, his strikeout rate is down to you know really bad proportions of five five for nine. Um, and he's had shoulder shoulder problems on multiple occasions. He's had surgery uh, multiple occasions on that. That's something that and he's down to eighty nine. Uh, Sanchez is coming in just blowing people away. Um, he he made the Yankees look bad. I think Sanchez could end up being their closer. Um, I, I think, don't think that's even a crazy thing to say. I don't think it's. I think Aaron Loop has enough problems. Uh, Brett Cecil is interesting. You know, Dustin McGowan is interesting. Uh, but you know, they each have their flaws. Cecil walks the lineup. Uh, McGowan can't stay healthy and has a bit of a consistency problem. Um, so I don't think it would be too hard for Sanchez to come in and just blow them all away. So. I mean, that's an AL-only closer play. That's not like a mixed-league closer play, but it's interesting. Um, and, you know, we've been talking, we've talked about how much we like Stroman um, and uh, maybe just a good dose of Stroman and the veterans, basically, um, can get them to the postseason. Yeah, uh, I think I think there's reason to believe. I mean, Mark Burley has, certainly was due for some negative regression, but... Uh... He's been. I think that he could finish the season fairly strong as well, and not be quite see quite the negative regression. I could talk about that. That's somebody I was considering taking a look at in a future article. Not that there's a whole lot of season left uh, at this point, but uh, an interesting pitcher simply because of the way he's performed with runners on base against him and the early start he got in spring training. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think that it, Toronto may, remains an interesting team, and uh, with all the trades going down, I mean it's it's. Wow. <laughs> I think, uh, I mean, we handled a lot of this on the fly. Uh, there's been, uh, there's probably still some fallout from this to, uh, to come. There's a lot of uh, things that we, uh, I think you consider a little bit unpredictable. Players not traded include Matt Kemp, anyone on the Phillies so far, again, because there are a couple of possible waivers deals. Uh, Matt Kemp, all you had to do was hit a couple of home runs and a walk-off single, and he was off the block. Matt, ben Zobris stays put. Josh Willingham stays put for some reason. Uh, maybe is he? You think he is a potential candidate for a waivers deal? Who's that? Josh Willingham. Uh... I don't think he has a terribly expensive contract, but uh, I mean, he runs out after this season, so there's no t- there's no reason that any team down on the waiver list, or I'm sorry, high on the waiver list, would have much reason to put in a claim for him. Yeah, yeah, I think they. The Twins are so hard to read. Yes. They just signed Kurt Suzuki instead of trading anybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they, they're close. They do baffle. They do baffle. Why? But it's a possibility. Why? <laughs> uh, but, they uh, just reacquired Kendris Morales. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I, I think they might put him on waivers. Um, I think they might put him on waivers, so. Uh, it's a possibility, but I think Cliff, Cliff Lee is the only one I put money on. Mm-hmm. And Joaquin Benoit, I say uh, it, he does not move on. I breathe a sigh of relief. Thank you. Uh, and it's <laughs> it has been a fantastic trade deadline. Uh, I think one of the more dramatic ones we've seen in recent seasons. And uh, there's been yeah, I mean the the A's. The Cespedes Lester trade was amazing. That was unpredictable, exciting, um, and I don't think necessarily um, the best idea for Billy Bean. No, um, I you know I think they could use an extra bat in that in those postseason um, situations too. You know, 
if if you knew that they were going to get priced, that the Tigers were going to get priced, like if that if that in that other universe they were still going to get priced, um, I guess maybe you want to have Lester to really because the, now the the postseason rotation against when those two match up is going to be amazing. I mean, uh, you know, Price versus Lester, uh, Samarja versus Scherzer, uh, you know, Gray. Yep. Gray against uh, Annabelle, um, Verlander, Verlander, Casimir, wherever you want to, to split it up. I mean, that, those are going to be great games. They probably were thinking about that to some extent. Um, but, uh, you know, before they had Price, I would have th- thought, I want another slugger in there. And I'm, I know Gomes is pretty good against lefties, but... Uh, he's a bench bat. Yeah, he's kind of a bench bat. Now you've turned your outfield into all three positions basically are, are platoon positions. Mm-hmm. Um, in the outfield. I think that's kind of hard in terms of roster construction. Yes, that I definitely agree with. And uh, I think that it kind of brings me to, that was a, a minor point I wanted to get to was uh, something I think we should talk, we can talk about uh, extensively on a future podcast is uh, Jason Hamill's struggles since he's joined Oakland uh, because he's given up like, 18 earned runs in 17 innings since he's joined the A's in four starts. And uh, Jesse Chavez also hitting a bit of a wall. I mean, he's kind of, he's already achieved what I think is a, a career high in innings pitched and a game started. Uh, and so there's a, certainly a potential that they were worried about one or the other or both. Uh, I would think that Chavez loses his rotation spot, assuming that they go to five man rotation here. Uh, you know, are we concerned? I, I I think there has to be a little bit of concern about him. When we talked about, obviously, also you talked about the possibility of health being a concern for him because he's resorted to the slider so much more often this season, uh, and just a number of other things going on with him. I mean, there was probably a little bit of correction due already, although it didn't figure to come all in his first four starts with the A's. There's certainly, I think, a a, a number of things going on with the back end of the rotation that has some fantasy implication, but. Considering that it's headed by Lester, Zamarja, Gray, Casimir, I mean these are the these are the clear commodities at this point. Whereas Hamill and Chavez take a, an obvious backseat to those names, uh, it's it's kind of a secondary issue at this point. It's, yeah, I, I, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think uh, I think Chavez is going to be running out of innings soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that Hamill's struggles are probably more of the short term variety than anything that has to do with. You know, moving to Oakland, um, they could be health related. Of course, like you say, he's had health issues in the past. He's thrown a slider a ton, um, so there could be something there. But um, uh, I think Chavez probably going to run out of innings soon. We can all thank him for his service. Uh, it's been a great year, um, and he's uh, done a really good job. And really happy for him. I mean, he's he's had a, uh, it's been a long time coming, a long hard slog for him to get here. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we want to thank everyone for joining us for episode 148, a.k.a. the non-waiver trade deadline edition of The Sleeper and the Bust. You know. It rolls off the tongue. <laughs> uh, thanks thanks for listening. It was a long one to make up for the uh, absence on, on Tuesday when I was feverish and uh, half dead. So yes. thanks for listening. Yeah, and we wanted to – I mean, we, we touched on a number of things. There were probably – there, there was probably a little less banter and a little more um and ahs in here, but we tried to take on a number of topics kind of on the fly and see where a lot of these things were going to go. And we appreciate if you kind of bear with us as, as far as that goes, uh, because I know that that tends to frustrate a few of you. But uh, we're, 
we're glad to get to so many different names and uh, we're going to, I think we're, we have to be looking forward to where the, the rest of this, the fallout and things like that. And then of course, potential waiver trades and things like that are going to take us. I think we're going to have plenty of stuff to analyze throughout the month of August and looking forward to a lot of that. Thank you all again for joining us for episode number 148. This has been the sleeper and the bust. Boom.